Perspective is brought to you by Palace Capital Advisors, a comprehensive wealth management firm with locations in the Northeast, specializing in financial and estate planning solutions, investment management strategies, and family office services for high net worth families across the country. Now, here's your host, James Landry. Welcome to the Palace Perspective, the podcast that brings you conversations and professional analysis on the topics and trends affecting your everyday financial life. I'm your host, James Landry, and I'm joined here today by Palace Capital Advisors co-founders, Charlie Evangelakos and Greg Boyle. And also with us here today is special guest, Kenny Dichter, CEO and founder of the private aviation company, Wheels Up. And he's here to help us to discuss the topic for today, philanthropic giving, also known as charitable planning. Guys, welcome, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules. Thanks, James. Yep, nice being here. Thanks. Uh, we've been working with Kenny and the, and the Wheels Up team for a long time now on many, many different uh, initiatives, and I know it's a very exciting time for them. As you already just mentioned, James, today, today's episode is going to focus on the philanthropic giving and charitable planning, something we know that's really important to Kenny. So before we get there, first of all, Kenny, happy holidays, and I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Let us give us an update in terms of uh, Wheels Up. Obviously, it's been an unprecedented year. We'd love to hear about what's going on in the company and how you guys have adapted. What have you seen in the industry? Well, I appreciate it. And first off, it's, uh, it's great to be here. The year has been unprecedented. Wheels Up has been very fortunate in that we're in position to service our members. We had a banner year in 2019 as it related to some great strategic partnerships and acquisitions, starting with TMC, Elkhart, Indiana, the largest floating light jet fleet. We acquired them. Then we partnered and and acquired a software, a flight management software called Avianas, which is going to enable us to be the digital marketplace in the space. The two big acquisitions we did, Delta Airlines partnered with us and we acquired Delta Private Jet, and we signed a a long-term marketing partnership agreement with Delta, which gives us really from economy seats all the way up to a Gulfstream or a global to charter, we can do anything in aviation, which is uh, very, very powerful. And the last deal we did was we acquired Gamma Signature, our back end. So that was 2019. It put us in great position while we went into 2020 with private jets being a nice to have and a, and a luxury for some, obviously for business usage and getting there for others. It's, it's not quite a luxury, but it really went from luxury to essential during this crisis. So we've seen our membership numbers increase dramatically, new members coming into the program. We should exit 2020 with over uh, 10,000 10, total members. That's incredible. And Kenny, that, that's exciting. And it, it, it seems a little bit irony to talk about private jets in philanthropy, but we know that charitable giving is a huge part of Wheels Up and that you have multiple initiatives as a firm, one of them being Meals Up. And I think this was an initiative you launched to supply 10 million meals to those facing hunger during the COVID-19 crisis. And as Kenny, when Palace heard this announcement back in the spring of this year, we were so inspired that we immediately uh, jumped a partner with Wheels Up to donate meals and support this initiative. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? How did this get started and, and what outcomes have you seen? Well, I've always felt like Wheels Up has a responsibility. We do a special thing for a special set of companies and people. 
and we have great marketing resources, great partners. And early in the crisis, we identified food insecurity as something that was going to be a big issue during this crisis. With the hospitality industry almost grinding to a halt, I said to myself, and and I confirmed this with some of our ambassadors, J.J. Watt down in Houston and Russell Wilson and Sierra out in Seattle, both had inspired me and, and Wheels Up by donating a million meals to Feeding America. We did our research and found out that over 50 million people during this crisis, 50 million fellow Americans, might have trouble locating their next meal or knowing where it's coming from. So that said is we took all of our resources from a marketing and brand perspective and shifted from Wheels Up to Meals Up. We went on CNBC at the end of March. I went on with Russell and we announced a pledge of 10 million meals uh, to Feeding America. We said we'd figure that out between our employees, our board, our members, our partners like Palace. I mean, we were going to go out and really push this initiative to go get heard. We wanted to do two things. We wanted to get those meals done, but we also wanted to inspire other companies to act. The quick update is we just passed 50 million meals. So we 5X'd our, our initial projection and we're just getting started. Looking forward to continuing our partnership with Feeding America. Their CEO has become a great friend, Claire Babineau. And again, I think it's our responsibility as entrepreneurs and as folks that are able to provide for our own families to look at what we can do for everybody else and, and really pitch in here when, when people need it. That's amazing. And it's, that, that leadership is, is inspiring, uh, Kenny. And thank you for that. I understand Wheels Up has another initiative called Wheels Up Cares, and that's your way of showcasing a commitment to aligning to various philanthropic organizations throughout the year. You want to talk a little bit about Wheels Up Cares? Yeah, I would say Meals Up is an extension or part of Wheels Up Cares, but Wheels Up Cares started really early in our, early in our founding, early in our development. We started out with a pink plane. We take one plane a year, roughly, and we turn it, our fleet is blue and white, we take one plane a year to highlight a charity, create awareness, and maybe raise some money and, and, and let our members know what we're doing. The first one was the pink plane. We aligned that with uh, Mount Sinai and uh, the Dubin Breast Center there for uh, breast cancer awareness. The following year, it was the teal plane, which was ovarian cancer awareness, heart association, red plane. That was our third. We ended up doing something with TAPS, which is a military organization that provides assistance for men and women who's, who, who, who get killed or, or, or lost in combat. And we, we help the families. That's through TAPS. And then we came with the Orange Plane, which is the, the, the newest plane. The Orange Plane is feeding America's colors and really hunger, hunger awareness. So we're committed to the, the Wheels Up Cares programming. We want to do something every year. And once a plane is in our fleet, a Wheels Up Cares plane, it's there in perpetuity. It's there forever. Thank you, Kenny. That's really uh, amazing story and it's inspirational and so admire what you are doing in your leadership uh, there at Wheels Up. If someone wanted to give to Feeding the Hungry through Wheels Up or uh, Meals Up, rather, I should say, what's the best way for them to do so? Very simple. FeedingAmerica.org forward slash Meals Up. Just go. You can do it on your phone. You could do it on your computer. You could do it on your iPad feedingamerica.org forward slash meals up. All right. That sounds pretty simple and, and uh, straightforward. And, and hopefully 
you'll continue to see people want to support that initiative. I know we've been excited about it. We continue to be excited about it here at Palace Capital Advisors. And I would say for our partners at Palace, thank you for your support of Meals Up. I know that I got a call early from the the, the team and they wanted to get involved. And we formally made made a gift from Palace. And again, great leadership on the Palace side to jump in and we're in, you're inspiring others, so thank you. You're welcome. Kenny, uh, rumor has it you are a big Wisconsin Badgers fan. What's your prediction on this uh, upcoming game this weekend versus Iowa? In full disclosure, I'm uh, a somewhat of a, a Hawkeyes fan because Kurt Ferentz and Ken O'Keefe, coaches of Iowa, were my high school coach. So I have a little passion, and I've been out there last year and got a flavor of the Big Ten kind of football last year so. Yeah, I would say first off, my prediction is very simple. Wisconsin Badgers over the Iowa Hawkeyes this weekend. I would say I love the Big Ten. I love Iowa City. I've been out there. I root for the Hawkeyes. I root for the Buckeyes. I root for the Michigan Wolverines when they're playing anybody other than the Badgers. So when the Big Ten's out there competing against other conferences or other teams away from Wisconsin, I'm a, I'm a big Hawkeye fan. I would say the, the small world is Barry Alvarez, who 30 years ago I met at the University of Wisconsin when he was leaving Notre Dame and became a Wisconsin football coach. He spent time as a young assistant coach at Iowa. He talks about it a lot. Hayden Fry, who was the, the godfather of that program, was one of Barry's mentors. And Barry has a soft spot in his heart for Iowa City. And Bob Stoops was Barry's driver. Bob Stoops, the famous Oklahoma Sooners coach, was Barry's driver. So a lot of history in Iowa City. If not for Barry, I'm not sure I, I would be where I am now. Barry's got crazy respect for Ferens and his team and his staff. Uh, always talks warmly about Iowa. And Kirk's done a great job there. So, Yeah, well, the Badgers, uh, the Iowa's not won since 2008. If you look at the record. So I'm calling it on Iowa. With this year, they're favored, and I'm looking at them as the favorite for this weekend. Like so. the stock market, you need two sides of a trade to make the whole market work. So I'm glad that we're you, 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 and I are on on opposite sides, but you know, rooting for a good game. Yeah, we'll talk on Monday. All right, so let's switch the focus back from football now to charitable planning. So Charlie, our last podcast included our friend Karen Regan, CPA, and our topic then was year-end planning. So when we take the topics of charitable planning and income taxation and then look at those topics through the lens of year-end planning, we have to come back to the question of whether or not we believe the income tax brackets will change dramatically next year under a President Biden tax policy, or if they'll stay relatively the same. Well, James, if we think we're going to have higher tax brackets next year, the conclusion there is that you would defer any potential tax deductions if the next year take advantage of the higher tax rate. But then again, that would be based on the prediction that we will have higher tax brackets. So I'll leave that up to the politicians and, and the election, uh, upcoming election in Georgia. But yeah, that's a big one. I mean, obviously that will, January 5th, special election in Georgia will make a big determination as to whether or not Biden's tax policy will be able to be easily ushered in or will meet a fair amount of resistance from Republicans. Yes. And I think everybody listening to this podcast knows what's at stake on this election on January 5th. However, there are some un- incredible or unprecedented uh, tax opportunities this year as a result of the CARES Act, uh, based on what happened with COVID-19. And those are just a couple of things I want to talk about this morning, James. Yeah. So 
one, one of the things, the, a basic taxpayer who does not itemize his taxes can take a $300 uh, above the line uh, charitable deduction this year if the, if the donation is made before the end, of the end of the month, December 31st. I mean, that's an opportunity. Now, for those who itemize, there are some incredible opportunities. One is the, the temporary suspension on the charitable contribution limits. In the past, if you made a cash donation to charity, you, were, you had the ability to deduct up to 60% of your adjusted gross income. Well, for this year only, that 60% is now increased to 100% full contribution uh, deduction. So uh, for, any, cash for cash gifts. So any gifts made to charity, cash gifts, not stock gifts, you can now have a full 100% income tax deduction. There are low, no limitations. That's a great opportunity for a lot of people that want to maybe pre-fund some of their charitable pledges. They make commitments over the years or just lower their tax bracket in general. So, I, you know, I encourage uh, the listeners here or any individual taxpayer to take advantage of that. Okay. Well, there's been a, a strategy that's been around for many, many years now, and it's this Qualified Charitable Distribution, or 2CD, right. which has to do with an IRA and charity. You want to talk a little bit about what, what that is? Sure. QCD uh, stands for Qualified Charitable Distribution. So that, in the past, has allowed any donors who are over, over seven and a half years old to make a direct transfer from their IRA to charity, to a direct charity or a private foundation, and get a full income tax deduction. It actually is not required to be reported on your taxes. Now, the question this year was because required minimum distributions have been suspended for 2020 due to the CARES Act. Many people thought that wasn't available. It still is available. So we, we encourage people to take advantage of that opportunity. Well, the reason for that is because when you do a qualified charitable distribution directly to charity, that counts as a required minimum distribution or counts towards satisfying your required. So like you said, 2020, no required minimum distribution. People thought, well, maybe there's no QCD, but not the case. No, QCD is still available. And there are some, benefits, there are some long-term benefits to uh, taking advantage of a QCD. And one of them is that if you if you donate a specific amount of money this year, you can lower your required minimum distribution for future years. The other thing to think about is, as part of your estate plan, a beneficiary would be better off inheriting cash or stock or some other asset versus a part of a qualified plan because the IRA or qualified plan is income taxable to the beneficiary as well. So there's a way to even improve your estate plan by taking advantage of these QCDs. Okay. And so that's limited to $100,000, right? Yes. Every year? Okay. Yes, correct. And you have to be 70 and a half. You can't be, in the year you turn seven, you have to actually turn 70 and a half for the QCD to be eligible to do a QCD. That's correct. Okay. Yes. Speaking of qualified plans, and Charlie, we often talk with clients about tax-efficient deployment of capital. Can you discuss some things a wealthy individual who has a goal to make a significant impact to his or his or her community through philanthropy, what that individual might want to consider when it comes to qualified plans? I think you touched on this just a moment ago, but maybe elaborate. James, good question. Often we see clients making a bequest to charity upon their death, and typically they will make name a charity or some other organization through their will or through their revocable trust. In many cases, it's much more efficient in lieu of using a will of trust to leave a portion of, the, of their IRA to charity because the charity gets a full income tax deduction. They don't pay income tax on the IRA money versus where an individual does. So it's much more tax efficient by eliminating the income tax by using shifting that bequest from, uh, char from a will to a IRA. 
Other ways to give is a lot of people have these old life insurance policies that are lingering around. Maybe they could make the beneficiary the charity so they get a a tax deduction upon death or actually gift the the policy during their lifetime and get an income tax deduction as well. Gift the policy directly to charity? Yes, correct. So, Charlie, let's stay on life insurance for just one more minute if we can. So, when you want to use life insurance as part of your charitable planning, there's maybe three different ways you could structure that. One is... The charity itself could own the policy. You could just make gifts of cash to the charity and they could pay the premium, right? And those gifts of cash, as you said, to charity are deductible and it's 100% of AGI deduction in 2020, right? The the second way, as you mentioned, Charlie, is that you could just name the charity as a beneficiary of the policy. And the third way is the you could actually gift the entire policy directly to the charity, and you could get a tax deduction for that. It's not a 100% you know, cash on cash deduction, but there is a deduction that's available for the taxpayer if he or she gives the policy. So life insurance can be a fantastic way to benefit charity. And perhaps from a pure uh, economic standpoint, the charity could stand to benefit a lot more than just giving a direct gift of cash, right? Correct. They get the leverage of the life insurance, James. So depending on... Um the policy itself, a, a client can simply name as part of the benef- part of policy as a beneficiary of the charity. But giving it away is another advantage because that allows the taxpayer or the individual to get a tax deduction while they're alive. Right. The value they, of the policy. That's right. Because if they just name the charity as the beneficiary, there's no income tax deduction. The estate would get a deduction for the fact that the, the policy was paid to a charity. But you may not be in a state tax situation, so it may not be as valuable to you as an income tax deduction. So giving during lifetime certainly is is something to consider, right? Life insurance. Absolutely. And many individuals have these life insurance policies that they've had for, for many, many, many years. And uh, just a great a tool of, uh, for charitable giving. So and another uh, often, we see this very often, is uh, setting up a donor advice fund. A donor advice fund is a charitable investment account that provides simple, flexible, and efficient ways to manage charitable giving. Essentially, what you're doing is you're making a contribution to a public charity, and they hold the funds, and you can dictate the investments, but now you can direct where those funds go each and every year. That's the benefit of a donor. They're simple to set up. You could make a large contribution in a specific year and take a full deduction on it, but then contributions could be made in subsequent years. So, so easy to administer, low maintenance, very flexible you can make a contribution and bunch your deductions in one year. Perhaps that gets you up to the level where you would then be itemizing, take advantage of that, and then make a direction through the donor advice fund as to how they distribute and to where they distribute those funds on an annual basis, if you'd like. Yeah, think of a donor advised fund, James, as a foundation. There's a lot of similarities to a foundation. You, you make the contribution up front. You can do it in large amounts, take the full deduction up front. Uh, and then you can dictate to the charity or like at a foundation and make distributions from that, that entity to different charities. There are some distinct advantages to a donor advice fund over a foundation. Number one is it's simple. It's administered. There's no administration, but that's done for you. You don't have to file tax returns. It's low cost. It actually has a much higher tax deduction versus foundation for what you donate, whether it's cash, stock, so forth. But one thing we should point out to our listeners is that if you are using the, if you're over 70 and a half and you're doing a qualified charitable distribution, you cannot make that qualified charitable distribution from your IRA to a donor advice fund. 
that's not an eligible recipient. And so we get that question that comes up, it seems like every year. And unfortunately, that the IRS does not allow. So Charlie, no discussion of charitable planning should leave out the use of charitable trust. And I know that charitable trust can come in several different configurations. Let's take some time now, if you would, and discuss some of the more common charitable trust strategies that you see. Very common one, I would say, is the charitable remainder trust, which is a uh, tax-exempt entity. It's a trust that an individual would set up. And for the purpose, usually, is to gift highly appreciated assets. And in return, the individual gets an income stream for life or a term period of years. So there's no immediate... A tax tax gain on the assets that are sold. And in, in addition, the taxpayer would be entitled to a income tax deduction. And at death, the remainder of whatever's left in that trust will now go to charity. So let me walk you through this because I think that's intriguing. So if I as an individual have a bunch of appreciated securities, maybe I have a concentrated stock position that I'm reluctant to sell because of the tax, the capital gain tax that I would pay, Charitable remainder trust may be something that would be appealing if I'm motivated to benefit charity. So I would give this money to a charitable remainder trust. It's a tax exempt entity. And in return, I get a tax deduction, you're saying? Yes. Well, first and foremost, the, the individual would have to want to benefit charity. However, there are some significant tax benefits to setting up a charitable remainder trust. Right. So I get that tax deduction. You you would first of all, you could sell the individual security and not defer all the capital gains tax. That's that's an that's an advantage for sure. Advantage. The money can be invested inside the trust and look to an IRA, uh, tax exempt. In addition, when you structure this donor, I mean, when you structure this charitable remainder trust, you are entitled to an income tax deduction that varies based on age and the amount uh, of of how old your age, well, how long you're going to be paying out, be paying out, and so forth. Yes. Um, And then there's zero state tax because obviously the remainder goes to charity upon death. Or in many cases, believe it or not, the actually stays within the family and the beneficiary of the donor of the charitable remainder trust is the family donor advised fund or the family foundation. Okay. So it's interesting. Let's take that charitable remainder trust and kind of flip it on its head. And now there's something called a charitable lead trust. And that's completely different. You want to walk me through that? Yes. James, good question again. That is almost the complete reverse of a charitable remainder trust where the, the charitable lead trust is not not a tax-exempt entity. The purpose of it is for intergenerational wealth transfer. And the way it would work is that the taxpayer or the individual would make a contribution to the charitable lead trust. The charity actually gets an income for life or a period of years. And then whatever is remaining in that trust will transfer to the next generation or multi-generational planning. So typically that would be children or grandchildren that the donor would want to ultimately transfer to. Yes. So the, the big advantage is that because the heirs have to wait a number of years to receive the principal and a certain amount of, of the contribution that's donated to charity, the value of the gift is significantly discounted. Okay. So when we're talking about estate planning and estate transfers, you always want to reduce the value of the asset you're transferring because that will reduce any transfer tax that's associated yeah. with that transfer. And so if we can maybe reduce or even zero out the value of that transfer and still have charity receive something significant through that stream of income over years. And also my children or grandchildren, as the case may be, may receive something significant. That's a huge win. That's a huge win. So obviously people that give to charity are rewarded by the IRS in the form of an income tax deduction. Generally, we talk about the income tax deduction. 
by making a gift to a charitable remainder trust. Is there an income tax deduction if I were to give to a charitable lead trust? James, yes. The answer is yes. If the charitable lead trust is a grantor trust versus a non-grantor trust, which we don't see as often, but yes, the answer to your question is yes, there could be an income tax deduction as well. And so if it's a non-grantor trust, there's no income tax deduction, but when the trustee makes those payments to charity, the trust takes a tax deduction at that point in time. Yes. So it can be a little more complex. You definitely want to seek the advice of tax counsel when you're dealing in the world of charitable planning and income tax deductions, and specifically, certainly, charitable remainder or charitable lead trusts. Yes, James. And I want to add one more thing. It does get a little complicated, but there are things called testamentary charitable lead trusts. We don't see them very often, but a great tool to zero out your estate tax when you die. So whatever dollars are potentially taxable in your estate could be placed in a charitable lead trust upon death, and a charity would receive income for 30 years, and then that money would transfer down to children and grandchildren for the multi-generational transfer. So great tools, great techniques, more to talk. We could have an entire session on Charlie Trust. Okay. That, thank you, Charlie. All right, Charlie, Greg, and Kenny, let's wrap up this session talking about gifts of artwork. Because from time to time, uh, from time to time, we'll have individuals that will come to us and say, hey, look, I have this work of art. It's valuable. I want to give it to someone either during a lifetime or a death. What are the considerations there? So IRS regulations state that the gift of property, which is other than cash or marketable securities, that has a value that exceeds $5,000, requires that the beneficiary obtain a qualified appraisal. And that has to be no earlier than 60 days before the gift is made. And of course, no later than the due date of the tax return. In addition, a donor has to complete uh, additional tax forms if the amount of the deduction for these non-cash gifts is more than $500. So that would typically be the case for most people wanting to give a valuable artwork. Of course, you have to require, you have to maintain records of the contribution. And in order to obtain a charitable contribution deduction equal to the fair market value of the work of art, you have to remember the work of art must be donated to a public charity or a private operating foundation. And the donor must anticipate that the charity's use of the work will be related to its exempt purpose. So for example, a gift of a painting to a museum would clearly be a related use gift. However, if the work of art is contributed, for example, to the local animal shelter, SPCA, which in turn just plans to sell the art, the amount of the deduction would likely be limited to the artwork's cost basis, so what the donor you know, purchased the artwork for, because the gift would not be related to the organization's exempt purpose. So it's really important to understand the intended future use of your donated artwork because the nuances can affect the amount of your income tax deduction. So the other thing I want to say is, what about giving artwork to charities at death? For testamentary gifts of art, the estate tax charitable deduction is unlimited and the related use rule does not apply, which may produce a larger tax benefit than a lifetime gift of art. So in addition to the estate tax savings, it also removes an illiquid, difficult to value in some cases, often unwanted from the heir's perspective, reduce this asset from the estate. And so always consider what asset am I wanting to give? Does it make sense from a tax uh, standpoint? Is it more efficient to give it during lifetime or at death? And we talked about you know, the use of qualified plans. We talked about the use of life insurance. We talked about the use of cash, appreciated securities. Here's another important one, artwork. Many of our individual clients have really valuable pieces of art 
And if they're wanting to make those gifts of art, their artwork to charity, let's walk through whether or not it makes sense to do that during a lifetime or on a testamentary basis. And Charlie, for our listeners, I'll just remind them that they can read more about these various strategies, whether it's the Charitable Remainder Trust, Charitable Lead Trust, Donor Advised Fund, on our website at palacecapitaladvisors.com. It's P-A-L-L-A-S capitaladvisors.com. And certainly reach out to us if they have any questions and want to discuss them further. Well, that will do it for this round. And I want to say thanks, Charlie, Greg, and Kenny Dichter, our special guest here with us this morning. Thanks, James. Thanks, James. And listeners, stay tuned for our next podcast, where we are going to talk once again with uh, Palace Chief Investment Officer Mark Bogar about the year that was 2020 and what happened in the markets and what may be ahead. And that will be very timely and helpful, I'm sure. In the meantime, thank you for listening. You can learn all about Kenny's company, Wheels Up, at wheelsup.com. You can also reach out to me or any other advisor at my firm, Palace Capital, at palacecapitaladvisors.com. That's P-A-L-L-A-S, capitaladvisors.com. We'll see you next time. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, Triad Advisors, LLC, and their representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances. These materials are provided for general information and educational purposes based on publicly available information from sources believed to be reliable. We cannot assure the accuracy or completeness of these materials. The information in these materials may change at any time without notice. The information contained herein is for informational purposes only is not personalized investment advice and should not be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell any particular security, sector, or strategy to any individual person or entity. Securities offered through Triad Advisors, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Palace Capital Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Palace Capital Advisors, LLC is a separate entity from Triad Advisors, LLC. 